Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello and welcome to uh, a new pre-recorded edition of the Step Four Podcast. Because currently, uh, Max is somewhere in Japan. Somewhere, I'm not sure which day we're going to post this. But uh, as we won't be able to talk about basketball as it's happening, we thought it'd be fun uh, to do another one of our our very now popular, <laughs> the one time we did it, movie watch things. Uh, before we get into any of that, Max, how you doing? I'm doing well, Jim. Max, how's Japan? <laughs> beautiful uh the food the food is amazing uh the scenery is is scenic great it's wonderful glad to hear it um so i figure talking about this now before we actually do the planning of how we're going to roll this out and like what day we're going to put it up this might all sound like nonsense but i figure what we'll probably do max and you can back me up on this is after the recording this, so after this exact moment right now, but before we put it up, we will let people know what the movie is uh, so you can watch it. Uh, and since you've started listening to this, you know, uh, probably through the title or from Twitter or whatever, that the movie we are discussing is uh, 2003's? Yes, 2003. Uh, Full Court Miracle, Disney Channel original movie, available on the Disney Plus streaming service. Uh, borrow a login. You can, get at it. you can get a free seven-day trial like I did to watch this movie. Yeah. You can have your girlfriend have a membership and use her login. No you excuse. That. Yeah. No excuse to not watch Full Court Miracle, except for maybe that it's a really fucking bad movie. <laughs> I didn't think it could get oh, much worse than Most Vertical Primate 2, but man, this is... Yeah. I think this is definitely so, worse. That was going to be my question. Before I handed the reins over to you to kind of take us through the movie, do you think it was worse than Most Vertical Primate? Yes, I think it was yeah, 100%. most vertical primate like kind of knew what it was also had some some weird star power in it. This one had like yeah. nobody that you've ever Richard seen before. Karn. Yeah, Richard Karn. This one had nobody. Yeah. Uh, the writing was terrible. No, the one, the no one monkeys. Person was on Degrassi. Yeah, no monkeys. Uh, one of the one of the kids uh, was in uh, Scream 4. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and he was also, he was, he was, for a little tiny bit of time, he was in Scott Pilgrim. And the main kid was in Max Keeble's Big Move. And I don't think he's done and anything then, since. I think he's, like, not acting no. anymore. And then the main adult basketball coach, man, has been, like, on, like, a bunch of different uh, network television cop dramas, I feel like. So, that being said, Max, introduce us to the magical world of the... F- "Quote unquote Philadelphia-based full court mirror." Yeah, so the reason I guess we should introduce why we're doing this this uh, this movie in particular. So it's set in Philadelphia. It's a yeah. uh, holiday movie, a Hanukkah it's, movie, actually. Yeah, it's actually set and filmed in the famous downtown Toronto neighborhood of Philadelphia. Yes, 
<laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it looks nothing like Philly. Uh, there is a beautiful shot of the Italian market. What what I think is supposed to be the Italian market, although all the like the character, like all the uh, signs are in Hebrew, so I guess it's like the uh, Israeli market or something. But it's like yeah, the yeah. Sa- looks like the Italian market on Eighth Street. Um, so we open up uh, with a shot of Bill- the Billy Penn statue, kind of overhead mm-hmm. sweeping around before like this word art style title card comes on and flies yeah. in with like PowerPoint effects to read quick, the title of the movie. In. Yeah. Watching it on a large HD television. This came out in 2003. It might as well have been filmed in a flip phone in 1982. It feels like the quality of that shot specifically was baffling. I, oh, I here's what I think though. When I saw those shots, they were all, I want to say like the, the skyscrapers that were, that were in the shots were not, 2003 updated like at all i feel like the shots were all like uh stock image shots that they had from like 1987 it's kind of what it looks like like, from like 87 to 93 very little of the skyline actually changed though but but 2003 even even 2003 was added in there comcast center was after that i guess that's fair it it just it looked old. Like all the shots looked old. Uh, yeah. City Hall looked like it used to look, um, and grimy and shit. Uh, yeah, it was definitely a, a former Philadelphia. Yes, definitely a pre nine eleven Philadelphia. Yeah, but a post nine eleven Toronto. <laughs> but a post nine eleven Toronto. Uh, yes. So we see some random scenes of Philadelphia. Uh, for some reason, one of the things they cut to is like a homeless man sleeping on a pile of trash, which I thought was a weird mm-hmm. move. Just to, like, I guess show us that Philly kind of sucks. I, I guess was like to establish that. Um, the, the film is full of weird moves like that. Yeah. It's very, there's a lot of problematic. I think even for 2003, some problematic stuff in this movie. Uh, so, yeah. so we, we're introduced to the main character, Alex Schlotsky who goes to Philadelphia mm-hmm. Hebrew Academy and is a star basketball player on their team. Uh, yeah. We enter into a classroom uh, where the rabbi is uh, teaching Jewish history and he's talking about the story of Hanukkah. Uh, and he mm-hmm. mentions that it dates back to the year 165 BC, which I, I don't think is something that a rabbi would, would say. Uh, usually wait, usually wait, wait, BC wait, is not down. really... Yeah. So I wrote this down, a couple of things here. One, I made a note to you that the sign for Philadelphia Hebrew Academy uh, is the same like Welcome to the Moment font they use yeah. on the Sixers website, which I found very funny. Um, Helvetica, you mean. I wrote down uh, 165 BC written on board, but that's not the Jewish calendar? Yes, that is not the is Jewish calendar. Th- that's a thing. Yeah, the right. Jew- Jewish calendar is a different thing. Also, if so, Jews, speaking as a half-Jew myself do use the like common uh ce bce whatever uh mm-hmm. but it's they use bce before common era uh as opposed to bc before christ and then ce common era uh yeah. as opposed to ad after his death so mm-hmm. i thought that was for the most part though i will say that they did a pretty good job not just like butchering everything about jewish culture with the exception of like just the cheapest, lamest stereotypes throughout the yeah. movie. Just like any any moment they had to go for like a good like, oh, we want our kid to be a doctor. Like any of that. It was just yeah. all throughout. Um, uh, 
Max, let me know yeah. if I do that voice by accident. Please fight me. I'm gonna try not to. Okay. Everyone, but like, like it's like it's everyone in this movie kind of talks like that, which is very also. Uh, the other thing I wrote down. Uh, so they mentioned that they're like 14 years old. Is that like they're like in eighth grade? Were you in eighth grade when you first learned the story of Hanukkah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It seems That's- like like a second grade thing. Like real, like much younger, not. 14 years old well wait, why did they think they were getting gifts for those first 14 years every every right. uh, hanukkah for eight days yeah they, which also a very very 2003 this kid's an eighth grader thing uh jumping way ahead they show him getting an online encyclopedia for one of his hanukkah gifts honestly though 2003 like that is way too late for the online encyclopedia gift yeah i mean i guess you're right because oh so i was in eighth grade, I graduated grade school in 2002, so I was in eighth grade in 2002. You're younger than me, so this is you're this age, right? Yeah, I guess I would have been. Yeah, I started yeah. high school in 2004. Yeah, so in 2003, when you were in eighth grade, yeah, that, yeah, you wouldn't be getting that. You wouldn't be getting like a CD-ROM encyclopedia. That's a problem. I have a problem with this. Anyway, Max, continue. So uh, speaking of that, uh, in a scene that's adjacent to this, we we hear the kids talking about what they're going to get for Hanukkah. And one of them's talking about how he's going to get a 200 gigabyte hard drive for Hanukkah and how that yeah. can fit the whole Library of Congress on it if he wants it to, which I'm pretty sure wasn't the case even then. Yeah, right. Because the Library of Congress has like, even in 2003, has like music and films and stuff. So I don't think 200 yeah. gigs would have been enough. Even in 2003. I think it might be able to contain the entire list of things that are in the library. Yeah, <laughs> perhaps. Yeah, but that, like, an inventory. But that's it. Um, that's not, that wasn't, yeah, that's not true. So we, we see Alex play basketball for the first time, and he's, like, basically Tony Roden, just, like, dribbling the air out of the ball. Uh, the rest of yeah. his team is total ass. Uh, but a, he kind of sucks, too. Of, there's a sprinkling of Joel Embiid in him, too, because he cannot escape a triple team. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, well, he there was like the, the shot of him uh, where like five guys are on him, kind of like that famous shot of Kobe fading away with like mm-hmm. all his teammates throwing their hands up uh, in the distance. Um, he has, Alex has a very good line after this game that we see them lose uh, where he says, the only way we know how to score is on the PSATs. This is like the first mm-hmm. of many, many uh, stereotypical jokes about... <laughs> Jews and education. Uh, then the kids yeah, start because then they all they start they all rattle off their scores. They start listing off their very high PSAT scores, and one of them <laughs> you probably wrote this down too. One of them goes sixteen hundred in my sleep, and then the kid next to him yeah. daps him up after that. Like also again, maybe this is part of the whole like um, they're super smart kids. That's why they're doing so well on it. But like, do you think the PSAT is in eighth grade? Take them when you're like a sophomore. Yeah, I, I feel like you're right about that. Yeah, come on. Um, I also, you, you forgot to mention the dream sequence that he has. Mm. He's hearing the story about Hanukkah and daydreams the story of Hanukkah as a basketball game where he's Judah Maccabee, <laughs> whose name they say, I think, 826 <laughs> times in this movie. Uh, and then he's playing against... Uh, the other bad guys. I don't know. I didn't, they didn't because they didn't really give you the, the Warriors. Time, the, we, we don't really, yeah, they just the introduced Warriors. these other this other team. They yeah. playing and kick, kicks our ass in the one scene is like the bad guys. I guess because they're better than them. Even though yeah. like the the uh, the lion, the Philadelphia Hebrew Academy Lions uh, mm-hmm. 
like tripped one of their players at the end of the game out of frustration, but somehow like the Warriors are the bad guys, not the the yeah. Lions. I don't know. He got a tech. Uh, but also it's like it's just like they look like they're in Mad Max. It's very weird. So yeah, so they so they're like he's flashing back, like kind of having this daydream where he's they're playing the game. He's Judah Maccabee. Tyler, the kind of asshole kid on the other team, is like a Roman emperor or something, uh, or the leader of the Roman army. It's very weird. Yeah. Um. So yeah, then we were introduced to uh, Alex's parents, who are a doctor and a real estate agent. Hmm. Um. So we later see that I guess we should talk about talk about the dynamic between Alex and his parents because I feel like it's important throughout the movie. Yeah. Uh, Alex's mom is a doctor, and even though Alex is like thirteen or fourteen, I, th- I think like thirteen, um, she like is pressuring him to like seems like do a job shadow with a doctor, um, yeah. one of her doctor friends, which is like not something that thirteen year olds do. Um, no. And is very like, very much like pushing him towards becoming a doctor, which is like a thing. But I feel like that's young. Uh, she completely she yeah. completely opposes him having any involvement in basketball. I don't think she's been to any of his games before because later in the movie she shows up and everyone's like amazed that she she came. But basically, she yeah. wants him to like quit and just uh, study medicine mm-hmm. in his off time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dad the is dad cool though. Is into it. The he's dad's cool. really he's cool into it. it. Yeah, he's into he's into basketball. He's not good at basketball. Also, weirdly, in the basketball is the rabbi. Yeah, like just like really into it. They never actually say why or like. There's never like a story of like you'd think in something like this he would like at some point because they bring up a couple of times like oh this little Jewish kid can't play in the NBA eventually. You think at one point they might have a story of like well. You know, there was this guy who played uh, in the 50s for the 76ers, and he was a Jewish man never once. They really... The rabbi would have, like, he'd be there to, like, give you that tidbit. No. Yeah, they really... Well, at one point, the rabbi does say something. When later in the movie, we'll we'll get to this part, but the rabbi does bring up uh, the fact that, like, Jews were the original NBA or, like, basketball stars, which is, like, only because... Uh, <laughs> because of segregation and like the fact that the game hadn't spread at that point, so like yeah, I guess I guess they yeah. were the stars of the league. It's a little different now for this uh this like four foot three thirteen year old who isn't very yeah. good. Um, no, but yeah, the mom the mom's pretty brutal. She she's just like basically like yeah, you're not making the NBA. You suck. You're gonna be a doctor, even though he's like a bad student. Like I think probably has a better chance yeah. of succeeding in basketball than becoming a doctor he seems to have no interest in it and is a bad student um yeah, yeah so then so we we see uh him shooting around like what i like, at a park which i guess is supposed to be like the navy yard or something uh that's at least the most philly thing that it looks like it's it's just toronto somewhere on the Until water you see in the background you see the cn tower and the rogers center yeah <laughs> that it's, kinda, right, it's literally right that kind of gave it away that, uh, so yeah. he's shooting around, and he sees this guy just like tearing it up, uh, shooting around on an adjacent court. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, this is one of the moments where you can tell that the people who wrote this aren't very basketball savvy, because there's this mysterious black man playing basketball nearby, and they're kind of staring at him like a bunch of rude little jerks. 
And the one guy says to his friends, you think he can jam? <laughs> no one says no one says jam that way ever. It's dunk or slam it. Not, do you think he could jam? That's no, not what happens. So there's a lot of really funny stuff like that. Like at one point, the mom asks, uh, I, "Well, weirdly, like I don't even think these two things are synonyms." But she she says something about like, "Did you get good karma from the like job shadow that you did?" Which is not something that people mm-hmm. say. It's like a good vibe is no. what she was going for. And he goes, yeah. "Mom, nobody says karma; they say mojo." I'm like, "It's 2003. Yeah. People are not saying mojo at this point." Like. Austin, they had just they had all just watched Austin Powers. Yeah, like Austin Powers was saying Mojo because that was what you said in like 1969. Right. In the movie that came out in 99. But I don't know, man. It made it popular again because at that point there was a bunch of like 11 year olds saying, do I make you horny, baby? So God, I forgot know. about that. What a dark time. What a weird time in America. <laughs> it's awful. Um, so they <laughs> said, so, yeah. So they so they they approach this man or or Alex does he goes over he says I'm gonna rebound yeah. for him so he he says hey can I rebound for you and the guy is just like such an asshole to him he like doesn't say anything just like accepts that Alex is like rebounding and passing him the ball as he just drains shot after shot Alex tries to to ask him some questions about like who he is and what his name is um basically the guy like threatens to kick Alex's ass if he doesn't leave him alone. And yeah. then he takes his ball and drives off. But then Alex sees. It should be noted at this point. Wait, it should be noted at this yeah. point that their their coach, their former their coach of the basketball team, is the uh, as he famously yells many other times later in the movie, "I teach algebra." Yeah. Um, exactly like that. So, uh, Alex is talking to the rabbi, who is I guess is like, I don't know. He's not the principal, but he seems to have a lot of clout at the school. But. He's like, I think you need to find your Judah Maccabee, which is the first of a thousand times to say it. Uh, and he's like, it's oh, yeah, someone who can lead you, blah, blah, blah. So they're looking for their Judah Maccabee, and they see this this mysterious man playing basketball. And he's talking to his friends about, like, hey, this guy might be, like, the reborn or ghost of Judah Maccabee. Like, a bunch of fucking morons. Like, they're in eighth grade, not third grade. They're like, he's the ghost of Judah Maccabee. Like, no, come on. And then when he drives away, like you said, he takes his ball and he leaves. And what does his license plate say, Max? It says JM165. Yeah. And what does what did that mean to the kids? Judah Maccabee, 165 uh-huh. BC. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So, so, like, it must be him. So then Alex, what, like, goes What on, else is notable about it, about the license plate? Uh, that it's Virginia plates. It, it's a University of Virginia Cavaliers alumni license plate. Yeah. Yeah. So so he so he look so he uh notes that and then like goes on his computer later and figures out that it's a that it he's a booster for Virginia or that that's how you get one of those plates. Um mm-hmm. figures out who he is and then goes back later uh he has the same nickname that Judah Mac. Oh yeah, he's the hammer, the hammer. The mm-hmm. hammer. <laughs> um yeah. So he figures out that he was a star point guard at Virginia. Um he goes and finds him on the court again. The guy's name is Lamont Carr, uh, real mm-hmm. person, real real, real Virginia person. player. Um, based based on a true story. The, the true story. I we'll, we'll get into this later, but I, I, dubious <laughs> to say the least. Yes. Um. So he he shows up and like Alex is just creepy as fuck. Like he just comes up to Lamont Carr and he's like rattles off all his stats and how he knows all this stuff about him and how he hurt his knees and mm-hmm. how he could have been an NBA so, like kind of like a dick move. 
So just be like, yeah. man, you used to be awesome, but then you like fucked up your knees, and now you suck, and now you're here. And that's when he says, he says, well, the reason I'm here in Philadelphia is because I'm trying to get a tryout with the 76ers. Which is, as you know, the way you get a tryout is just by like moving to that city and like shooting around at parks until hopefully well, no, the general manager find out, drives by and sees you. We find out. Well, we find out later. Spoiler alert: He does get a tryout with the team, but it is even in even more ridiculous way than you than you just described. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. So no one who wrote the people who write who wrote this movie have never watched a basketball game. Apparently, though, that so I was looking at at this uh, at the history of the movie. So the movie is written and produced by a guy named Joel Silverman, who is apparently mm-hmm. a friend of Lamont Carr, who is the basis of the movie. And I think mm-hmm. I think it's just like like I don't think this is like some feel good great story. I think it was just like he's friends with a guy who. Like, did actually coach, uh, like, Yeshiva team and also played at Virginia, but, like, nothing else about it was actually there. Like, that was, like, the only basis. It was just like, oh, I have a friend right. who, like, played basketball and he, like, coached some Jews one time. Like, let's just do a movie on that. Mm-hmm. So, I guess it's based on a true story. Um, it was also, it's, it should be note here, it was nominated for a Writers Guild of America Award. No. Year, but it did not win. What won? Uh, it was nominated for children's script, and it lost to something called the Maldonado Miracle. A lot of miracle, m- miracle noms that year. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, apparently Lamont Carr had played five years in the Continental Basketball League before hurting his knee, um, and now he's just waiting around for a call from the Sixers for a tryout. Alex mm-hmm. offers to pay him $20 to coach them. Uh, to coach him and his friends who are waiting uh, on the other court. Yeah. And Lamont Carr, like, we, we know at this point that Lamont Carr, or I don't know if we've learned this yet, Lamont Carr lives in his van, um, is definitely falling on hard times, so he accepts the $20 to coach them for an hour. Um, yeah. It's, like, really sad. Like, the whole, like, thing's kind of fucked up. Like He's living in his van under an overpass. Yeah. And he, t- he sends the $20 back to his family. Uh, because he's out here chasing his dream of like stumbling ass backwards into an NBA roster spot and coaching a bunch of teens uh, without their parents' knowledge in cash only in the park after school. Yeah. Um, I also so- wrote. I wrote down around this time. Um, Lamont Carr is quote waiting for a trial with the Sixers, which is going to take a while because he's obviously in Toronto. Uh. I also wrote, I don't remember exactly why, um, I wrote, this review is ridiculous, all caps. They're talking about the magical black man being Judah Maccabee reborn. That was a very awkward 20 minutes of the movie. And then after that is when I wrote down, this movie feels vaguely (laughs) (laughs) anti-Semitic. No, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really problematic stuff that comes up now that, now Lamont Carr is in the picture, like, just a lot of, uh, a lot of cultural friction, I guess, is what I'd say. Yeah. Um, so he agrees to coach them for $20, uh, ends up just making them run wind sprints for like an hour straight because mm-hmm. he's basically like the fastest way I know how to make a team good is by getting them in shape. Um, so they keep coming back and every day he's coaching them and basically just making them run. Uh, and Alex skips the doctor job shadow that he was supposed to do because he's like 13 and why the fuck would he do that? Yeah. Uh yeah. 
Lamont's van breaks down and he has a guy come and, and check it out and it's going to cost him three or three between three and five hundred dollars to fix it. The guy says, um, mm-hmm. Alex, he, he then says, like, oh, I can't I can't coach you anymore. I got to I don't know why. It's like I really need money now, so I can't coach you. Uh, we said he needs to make some real money. And Alex was like, OK, cool. I'll sell this Dr. J card that I have. Um, that doesn't even seem like a notable Dr. J card. No. It's just a Dr. J basketball card. And then apparently he does sell it. We never see him actually sell it. They never show him giving Lamont any more money, but he sells it because they mention it again later that he sold his card because his parents just get him a new one, uh, which is wild. But it's at this point where um, because he needed to make more money, they're trying to get the school involved with maybe like bringing him on uh, as, as a coach. But before that happens, uh, he goes up to... Uh, well, he follows him home like a creep on his bicycle. Yeah, Alex, Alex follows him home because he's like, I got to figure out if he's the real Judah Maccabee. Yeah, again, logic. Uh, and then he sees he lives there and like they like hang out. He tells, uh, so he didn't make, he never made the NBA. He was in the CBA or whatever. Continental Basketball League, yeah. Yes, where he says that he averaged, you know, did you hear what his stats were? It was like 32, 11, and 10 or something. 27, 10, and 10. Like <laughs> Doncic out he there. Was putting up. <laughs> I just, I wrote down, I said Luca who. <laughs> Wild. Um, also, I said I hate this team because he's like, these guys kind of suck at basketball. Here's how we get them good. We're going to run a constant full court press. And I was like, boo, boo this. <laughs> this sucks. Um, and also there's a part when he's getting the team more involved with actually shooting and playing basketball and having fun where he says, come over here, my dogs. And they're like, the one kid's like, wait a second. First you have us running around and now you're insulting us by calling us animals. And he says, no dog is basketball talk for cool. <laughs> that was my favorite part of the whole movie. I wrote that, that quote ba- down. Basketball dog talk is for basketball cool. talk for cool. Oh yeah. man. And then the Truly kid's like, something. oh, cool. We're dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then the, this is like one of the weirder parts of the whole movie. So then now they need to raise some money because Lamont's really struggling and might not be able to coach them if he doesn't make this money. So the kids set up an espresso stand outside the synagogue to sell yeah. coffee on a Saturday morning, which makes yeah. no – like, what the fuck? Like, that one, like, that's not a th- – like, is that a thing? Like, I'm, I've never heard of, like – coffee and it's not like a thing that, like it would have made sense if they were like all right they're selling like hamantaschen outside the thing but it was like or like latkes why coffee why not like Max, lemonade or Max, hot chocolate or something it's their kids yeah gen- quick question from a gentile yes what what is hamantaschen it's like a uh a cookie basically it's like a i guess it's not a hanukkah thing but it's like a uh, springtime like fruit cookie thing. That sounds good. Also, yeah. So the mom has this very fancy espresso machine with like a crank lever and everything, and they steal it to go for this ah, fundraiser. I don't know where the fuck I they missed, plugged it in. I at. missed that they'd stolen the espresso machine. I guess that explains why. I mean, it doesn't really, but explain. I guess it makes some connection between the fact that they did espresso because and the mom says to the dad when they're at home when they think that. That uh, Schlotz, our boy Schlotz, is at the doctor's, following the doctor around. She says to the dad, I can't find the espresso machine. Which is an insane thing to say. 
Because that's <laughs> like walking into your kitchen and going, huh, I can't find the oven. <laughs> Obviously, someone moved it or took it. You can't, you don't just, it's not like, oh, where'd the remote go? It's like, hey, I can't seem to find the fridge. Where'd that go? It's ridiculous. I was, oh, I was baffled and blown away. I also, I think I'm jumping ahead. I don't remember when this happened, but I just wanted to mention that at one point she gets pizza from Solly's Kosher Pizza. Mm, I miss, I miss that, that was, was the funny. label on it. So jumping ahead, the synagogue scene, uh, they're selling espresso. Uh, the principal of the school, is that who she is? Miss, yeah. Mrs. Weiss? She like comes- She's a real rapscallion. Yeah, she's, she's uh, very much does not like this basketball stuff and very much does not like Lamont for- Reasons oh. that we never are real, uh, never, we're never really we privy to. We just know that she doesn't we don't like dig it. very deep on that, and yeah. I feel like we shouldn't. Have. <laughs> um, so she like drives by and sees that they're selling espresso, and then like rats them out to yeah. Alex's to mom, mom, which I don't really understand like why it would be bad if they were doing. Like she doesn't know that he's supposed to be at the the uh, doctor shadow, and also it's a Saturday. Yeah. So like, why does she care? Um, right, but. The next thing that happens is uh, they want to get Lamont like actually coaching the team at the school uh, because yeah, cause, cause the it, parents it are concerned. Point, like the parents are concerned, and I think rightfully so. Yeah, that our sons are giving cash to this man we don't know. So this, like, and hang out with him in the park. So this man who lives in his van under yes. an overpass and uh-huh. is just a complete stranger and is like making them run yeah. in the park. After school, and they're giving him cash, and they're giving him cash. Yeah, it's it's very. It's, they, have a tra- they have a they have a transactional relationship. Yeah, yeah. So so strange, under, understandably, situation. they are concerned. Um, the yeah. rabbi is not concerned, and the dad is is not as concerned. So they decide to invite. Rabbi's having a good old time. Yeah, they decide to invite Lamont over for uh, Shabbat dinner, uh, and mm-hmm. everything is going really cool, and it's all good. Um, so turns out he's a big he's a big fan of the gefilte fish. He loves the gefilte fish, out. even though he was weirded out that you put horseradish on it. But then he liked it. Then he said he would love to follow it up with some milk, which is just a strange choice. A very then yeah. A, a pallid, a pallid, heavy silence falls upon the room. It was like 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 a uh, like record scratch kind of like yeah. And everyone just like yeah. turned their head because he had just eaten like. I think he'd eaten like corned beef also because you can eat fish and milk. That's fine. Okay. It's like you're not allowed to eat meat and milk together. It's not kosher. Uh, but he asked for a glass of milk, which who the hell does? Like what a weirdo. He like, asked him for a glass yeah. of milk to, to wash down his gefilte fish. And then they all are like, what the fuck? And then um, yeah, instead of just being like, oh, obviously, like you, you're you just it's just a, a problem of not understanding the customs. Just it's, it's not kosher. That's all. Instead of just being like, oh, what's this fucking idiot talking about milk for? Also. It was a real. Also, it's totally fine for someone who doesn't keep kosher. Like, th- for someone right, who doesn't yeah. keep kosher to do it, that I mean, in your house is. like a bit of a. Yeah, but, it, but, but, it's, but it's allowed. It's like in the same way that if you are someone who keeps like full kosher, like you won't eat meat that's not or like packaged food that's not kosher. Like if someone near you is like with you eating and they're not eating that like that's not like go, going against your kosher thing but right but i guess i think it's probably more i mean again this is speaking as a, as a full gentile uh probably more of like a we're serving you dinner in our home thing so we don't we don't do it that way here kind of i mean they don't do that that way anywhere like milk milk after di- after your fish dinner 
is not a thing that that anyone does anywhere. Um, so Just have, a, have a nice have a nice horseradish fish and follow it up with a tall glass of two percent. So the so the parents are still concerned, and when I say the parents, I really just mean Mrs. Weiss and Alex's mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rabbi likes him, so they invite him over uh, to coach at the school. The mom is super pissed about this. Um, yeah. Oh I, wait, real quick, we did forget another uh, one of the other kids on the team uh, was mad that they were making him run wind sprints. So he was like, "I'm going to prove to you that he's not actually Judah Maccabee," and I'm like, "We're still on this." We're still on that this is he's actually a Maccabee thing. And then he's like, what are two other things you know about Judah Maccabee? The name of his dad and how many siblings he had. So he quizzes them and it turns out like their names are similar and he also had the same amount of siblings. And it's like, oh, okay. It's like, he's oh, like, okay, he's Judah Maccabee then. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah okay, I guess he's Judah Maccabee. Yeah, sure. Um, I wrote down Udemensch. Uh, like, which was said. To, oh, I can't yep, remember who happened. said that, but I, I just, I needed the to write that down. The former coach. The former coach who teaches algebra. He oh, was yeah. so happy to not be coaching basketball anymore. He immediately accosts him uh, at the school on his first day of work and says, you dementia. After uh, we get a little bit of a scene of him first entering the school to just like appallingly rude stares from all the kids. And it's not like, like he's and it also he's like tall, but he's like six three. It's not like he's like Yeah. It's not like I think, that's I think that's not the, the thing that they're reacting to when, when Lamont walks no. into the school. No. Uh I think they say in the in the movie that he's six five. So it's canon that he's six five, I guess. Um But yeah, so then he comes in, he gets an office uh at the school, he starts coaching. Uh, he has to fill out his address on a form for insurance purposes. You know how it works. Uh, doesn't have an address. He makes up a fake one. You remember what the fake address was? It was like 1735 Jefferson or something. Yeah, and then the principal says, I drew all up and down Jefferson last night. There's no address like that. It's like, really? The Jefferson Street that exists? That's where you drove? Ugh. I mean... Bad on Lamont for not being able to come up with something. Like, he doesn't know any address that he could have said or an actual right. street that exists. It's like, yeah. It's like he was just, he saw a picture of, of, of Thomas Jefferson uh, mm-hmm. on the wall. And I forget where the numbers came from. I think he just started saying some random numbers. He just started saying numbers. Um, but yeah, so then, so then she gets suspicious and she's going to they realize that she's going to follow him after school and figure out where he yeah. really lives which is going to blow oh, his and whole also we, cover we never mentioned part of the reason this is all a risk is because not only is the principal like we can't have this but uh the president of the board of directors of the school is schlotz's mom mm-hmm. and she already doesn't want him involved so he's already on thin ice so it's basically saying if they find out that he lied on this form then she's going to use it to get him removed as coach yeah um, so then when the evil principal lady, Mrs. Weiss or whatever, finds out, uh, Alex catches a, uh, scheme to, uh, mm-hmm. have one of his dad's empty, unsold, uh, luxury condo units. Uh, yeah, because it, they kind of make it a point to say that he sells real estate, but not well. Yeah. 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 So this has been sitting on the market for a while, probably because this is 2003 and it's a yeah. uh, palatial, like, yeah. 2,500 square foot luxury apartment in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, also, because it's it's like it was like 65, 85 Front Street, 
which I'm only assuming is uh, North Front Street, and it's actually so far north that it's in Toronto, Canada. <laughs> um, so, so the dad is cool with this. He's like, "Yeah, let let the uh, let this homeless man who I've met two times live in the live in the condo." Sure. Um, yeah. So, so he does that. the The lady swings by and sees him get go into the thing and it's like well he said a different address a completely different address to me two days ago but i just saw him walk into a house so i guess he lives here and that my my uh, skepticism has been resolved so yeah the relationship between the principal and our main character seems very inspired by the the tim curry macaulay culkin home alone 2 relationship mm-hmm. where it's like the person in charge knows this kid's up to something is oddly obsessed with figuring it out um, and it gets like it's like taking it personally, but it's also it incredibly weird. incompetent about figuring it out, right? And it's like it's like it's like the only like instances of like slapstick humor in the thing, and they like they none of them are any funny at all. They're all a mess. Yeah, like she couldn't figure out how to get the the top down on her convertible, and that was like it's a whole her bit. Car. Yeah, it's her her it's car. Her I car. don't know what the joke was there. Yeah, I think the joke was like ladies can't drive their cars well because like. It's her car. She knows what the buttons do. Um, it's so, not a new car either. So, like, it, she's had it for a while. So, quick quick thought. I wrote this uh, before we move on to the next plot point. Um, and maybe we should mm-hmm. take a quick break after after we talk about this point before moving on in the plot. Um, the jerseys they wear are kind of fucking dope. The Dude, Lions I jerseys? Put down, the, gray, the gray jerseys they wear in the tournament are kind of nice. Yeah, they're way they better than the Sixers gray, gray jerseys. <laughs> they are. Uh, they have blue ones and gray ones, and the gray ones I think are better. But they're like uh, it's like a gray and a gold, and the numbers on like the upper left chest they are kind of nice. And there's like so it says lions on them, and then underneath lions there's kind of like an underline like scripty uh, line, and inside of that in Hebrew it says adirot, which means mighty. I looked that up. Um, oh, so it's the mighty, the mighty lions, which they do chant like we're the mighty lions. Chant. So it's pretty cool. Like it's it, one of the, it's one of, it's a, it's one of the, uh, couple of musical, uh, uh, clips in the oh, film man. which we'll get to later as well. Yeah. But those jerseys are uh, nice. Yeah, uh, I kind of want to buy, nice. I kind of want to see if like AliExpress has any, <laughs> has any online. Cause I would definitely buy, buy Dude, a, a Schlotsky one. jersey. Um, I would wear one. Uh, yeah, because like it's that. There, oh, also, the whole point of this is that, again, the thing we, didn't, thing we didn't mention, they are hosting at their school the Liberty Tournament this year. Um, and they just want to win the tournament. They haven't won a game in two years. And Schlosky has this idea with a good coach with their Judah Maccabee. They can actually win the tournament that they're hosting in their home gym, which seats about nine fans, by the way. Yes. Yes. I don't know how they got to, to host that tournament. No. But... I guess so. So let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and wrap up the rest of this, this, whatever this is, movie. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, um, so we're back. The next part of the movie, just moving right on, uh, Alex is failing history. Um, he, yes. got a C, he got a C minus on a test, on his Jewish history test, and his mom- Which is, by the way, passing. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it is. C minus um, is passing. Uh, depends on the school, but yeah, I would think, I would think it, also it's a test, it's not like he's getting a C minus in the class. They also say that he's failing the class, which I don't. The C minus in the test was like the mom found it in his book bag. Also, she found it. His book bag was like sitting on the kitchen table and open. It open and it was literally it was like sitting out, out of it the way you'd like leave a tip under a glass on a table for a server. Like yep. it was just like Yes. It was definitely like to be seen, but she right. finds it and she's appalled by the C minus, but apparently he's failing the class, so maybe he's been getting worse grades and she just doesn't know about it, whatever. Um, to be fair, they do show him um, doing no schoolwork throughout the entire thing. Whenever he's in his bedroom, he's dribbling a basketball around because his bedroom is enormous. Uh, he also has, I think, three of the same Allen Iverson poster on his wall. Yeah. He has a 76ers like welcome mat at the base of his bed. It almost seems like it's like one of the mats they put behind a bar because it's like non-slip. Uh, and he is wearing a, an Iverson jersey at one point. So they don't they don't shy away from the NBA-ness of, of a lot of the things. Well, I think in the first... In the play the, in about five minutes. As yeah, well. in the first scene there... Or, yeah, the first scene in the movie when they're in the Jewish-Italian market, um, mm-hmm. at one point, uh, him and... They never actually like, introduce who this girl is, do they? No. Like, she's, she's like no. his friend... So but yeah. like maybe go roman- to that school. maybe romantic interest, but like they don't explicitly no. say that. No. It's just like a girl who like sometimes shows up to his game and cheers him on, and then there's yeah. a couple scenes where they're talking, but like we don't yeah. even know her name. I don't think there's like no character no. development at all with her. Yeah. She's not involved in any other parts of the movie. But she says yeah. something like, "Even if you had Allen Iverson on your team, you guys couldn't win." Like so, right. they set it up early that like, "Yep, we're in Philadelphia, and that's an NBA player." Um, yes. So also, but at this time, since he's failing the uh, history in his in their first game with with uh, Lamont Gars, their coach, he has to sit. Um, and this is actually so she he's kind of whining about this and that. And she says something to him like, you know, this isn't all about you, whatever. And like something like that. And he doesn't like, get snarky. He gets snarky back at her. So she gets up and leaves. And then we don't see her again until the final scene of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the, the character we, was completely useless. We need the director's cut yeah. because I feel like there was a lot left on the cutting room floor with with their their uh, their arc. But I am sure there I'm sure there was. So he's allowed to retake his test. Uh, the rabbi yeah. lets him re, re, retake the Jewish history test. He gets a B plus after his teammates help him mm-hmm. study, and he learns how to, uh, I guess, 
dribble a ball while studying. And then if he just imagines yeah. himself dribbling a ball while taking the test, he remembers everything. So he does that. Yeah, he can only know stuff if he minds dribbling a ball. Yes. Uh, also, I will say um, a good message this movie has in a lot of things like this, right, where you would have the point of the movie is this main kid who's like the only kid on the team who's good at basketball gets the coach together and they basically make everyone else on the team just like less really bad. And then that kid just carries the team to victory all the time and puts them on his back or whatever. But this movie does make a point to say this is a team. This isn't about this one kid. And like they literally have practice without him. And the coach says this isn't Alex's team. This is everybody's team. You have to play as a team with, with or without him at all. And I'm like that's actually a good message to have. I thought that was nice. Yeah. But then he gets he does get people and he's back on the team anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Yes. Um so he gets the B plus. Uh he's allowed to play on the team again. Uh the principal walks in on Lamont teaching uh coaching coaching during practice, and she's very appalled by his inappropriate very language. Appalled. Uh she's saying how like they need to each be like a body part on the team, and like someone yeah. the point guard needs to be like the head and uh, this other guy needs to be the arms for some reason. I don't know for shooting or whatever. Um, and the like kind of chubby kid, although he's not even really that chubby, but they like no. treat him like he is like, there's like constantly jokes made about him, like being winded and eating a lot and whatever, but he's just like a really normal looking kid. Um, mm-hmm. the Lamont says that he is the butt of the team because you need your butt for rebounding. And she's like audibly gasps as she hears this and like, is appalled and storms out. Yep. Um, later, we see Lamont meet up with Jerome Williams, uh, former yes, NBA. I know he makes an appearance in the movie. Uh, former Raptor, yes, uh, Raptor at the time. He's wearing his Raptors jersey at the park, shooting around with Lamont, yes. <laughs> his own jersey. <laughs> also, quick quick things about this this exchange here. This scene, he says he's he can't stay. He has to cut practice short to meet a friend. And they see him. We see him playing one on one with Jerome Williams in the park. Jerome Williams is wearing his Raptors jersey. Yes, they it never it, they never say he never walks up like, "Oh man, my boy Jerome, how are the Raptors doing?" Literally, all you get is like you have to either know what Jerome Williams looks like or freeze frame it and read the back of his jersey and his jersey number and then look him up online. Uh, we show him. They show him playing one on one with each other. He's just losing to Jerome Williams over and over again, uh, and then that gets him. A 10-day contract with the Sixers. <laughs> yeah, it's very much... A team that Jerome Williams does not play for. I've seen more depth in, like, a My Player, like, a career mode story from, like, 2012. Like, it's it very does, nonsensical. It honestly feel like that, yeah. It's like, like, the guy comes to the park and you play one-on-one, and even though you lose 11-3, to they're like, man, you look pretty good out there. I'm going to have to talk to Coach about getting you a spot. Yeah. So, apparently... Uh, oh, by the way... In in the credits, Jerome Williams is credited as credited as NBA star. Um, yeah, yeah. So the Sixers' backup point guard gets hurt. That's the story. So Lamont gets called up for a ten day, uh, and I went back yeah. and looked because this movie was released Thanksgiving weekend, two thousand three. So right around Hanukkah yes. uh, that year, the year before, uh, which you'd imagine if we're believing this movie set uh, contemporaneously, like. This would be 2002 Hanukkah was when the movie was set. So, uh, mm-hmm. like, end of November, early December 2002, uh, about a year before the movie actually came out. So, 
took a look at the roster at that point because I was curious, like, what the construction was. Were there any point guards who got hurt? Whose minutes would he have taken? And honestly, as far as I could tell, the Sixers didn't really have a backup point guard that season because you had Iverson mm-hmm. and Snow starting together. And the only other guards who really played, like Greg Buckner played a little bit, and then John Salmons played like seven minutes a game. And nobody else who right. you would like really consider a guard got any minutes that season. Um, yeah. So feasible, I guess, that uh, they would have needed, would have needed, uh, imagining like Buckner got hurt or something, maybe maybe they needed some guard minutes. Um, you would think they would go with someone who maybe has NBA experience or um, working knees mm-hmm. or isn't living in his van under an overpass, but Lamont gets or the call you up. Think they might, you think they might go with somebody who they could legally sign to a 10-day contract, which you can't do until January. Oh, that's a good point. That's a huge flaw in the movie. Wow. One of... It's our first flaw. Isn't that crazy? The first flaw we've had in the film so A flawless far. movie to wow. this point. To this point, just totally flawless. So... The, te- the, the crazy part is he he so he, the team practices this is like the eve of their of the tournament that they've been practicing for. It's like all right, great practice, guys. He's like all right, now you're gonna have to do it on your own because I got called up to the Sixers and the team is pissed. They're like, what yeah, the they're fuck? Furious. They're like, what the fuck, Lamont? Out- we have our, our tournament our, tomorrow. Our, our main character, our hero, Alex Schlotsky, approaches him in his office and accuses him of being an absentee father. That it's was insane. nuts. Yeah, that was. He, that goes, <laughs> he goes. He's like, I gotta follow. He's like, you're just being selfish and following your dream of being in the NBA. It's like, yeah, fuck you. Yes, I am. I've known you for two weeks. Uh, and he goes, I'm trying to provide for my family by getting an NBA contract. And he goes, maybe you need to just provide for your family by being there for them. And it's like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> this is not your place to say stuff like that. Holy shit, man! What a little dipshit. And this is the guy we're rooting for. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm supporting Tyler now. Unreal. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, they're the villain. They're the villains in this movie. So they may be. So they get to the tournament the next day, and they're just running through it. And Alex is kind of like the player coach. Uh, they're playing super well. They make it to the finals against the Warriors. Tyler and the Warriors. Are, I believe the finals are on a separate day. Yes. Oddly, so yes. they. They play multiple games in this like Sweet Sixteen style tournament, but then mm-hmm. the the final is on its own day. You're right. So, uh, they get to that point and they they kind of cut right to it though. There's not really much that happens between the two days. We just know that well, Alex Lamont's goes, gone Alex, and uh, confronts his mom at work. Oh yeah, and is like, "Stop trying to make me be a doctor. I'm fucking 13." Um, reasonable let me like play basketball i like basketball also reasonable just leave me alone right um so there's that um before we get to this next part which is uh this is what basically the whole movie should be centered around but it's just it's an absolutely stunning piece of art um i want to talk for a quick second about court size what is it about television shows and tv movies that they cannot find a single basketball court that is even close to the size <laughs> of anything resembling a basketball court to shoot on. The court they play on is maybe it's small even for an elementary school court, right? It's like 
the, the three point like, lines yeah. basically touch is where we're yeah. at and it's it, it's it's like in the the famous fresh prince uh episode that came that caused the gif of carlton chucking the half court shot and it like ch- hits the side wall on that court what they're playing on which is a tv set obviously the half court line is basically like the dotted line from to the rim like it's so small so i don't understand like the kit there's not a gym just a regular size gym that's conceivably you could have a a, a even an eighth grade tournament at you can't have a tournament at that court the corner the corner threes are out of bounds. It's wild. So anyway. the most important part of the movie comes at this point. Uh, they arrive mm-hmm. at the at the the at the school for the final game, and oh wait wait quick before we get to this though yes. too. Sorry, um, it's set up before this that uh, the mom feels bad about how she treated her son throughout all this, and she feels like they need their coach, so she leaves work. And goes to meet up with uh, Lamont Carr after a Sixers-Raptors game. That apparently the Raptors are just in town forever because it's in Toronto mm-hmm. again. So that's that's happening while this is happening. Because we're probably going to get to things. The, the, the plot lines converge after this. But yes. So they, they enter in the arena. And at this point, we realize that there is going to be a rap. Mm. Because mm-hmm. no Disney movie from the years 1993 to 2004 would be complete without a rap dedicated and written for the movie itself. Yeah. Uh, this one is called, I looked it up, Spin You Like a Dreidel. Yes, it is. And they come out and they dance to the song um, yes. in front of everyone. They just like go out to midcourt and they all do a choreographed, mm. like all like nine members of the yeah. team do like this choreographed kind of like... Uh, lean back kind of dance um yeah it yeah it should be noted that the players aren't rapping they've just acquired this song somehow um and have a choreographed dance that we've never seen them practice or anything and the crowd is fucking loving it i just gotta loosen their goddamn minds so i'm gonna read the lyrics to this song are you ready for this i'm gonna read all the lyrics and and thankfully the uh, if you're watching this on Disney Plus, if you turn on the captions, which I'm I'm a big proponent of just having captions on for pretty much anything I watch, so I had the captions on for this. Uh, they give you the full lyrics, which is awesome. Perfect. Beautiful. So the song starts off, dreidel, dreidel, and then yeah. and they do that a few times. Let's say I'm like, now playing basketball is my favorite sport. Throwing back to an, another basketball-related rap classic. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. It don't matter if it's a pickup game or on the court, which I'm pretty sure both those things would be on a court, but sure. Yep. Uh, we can al- we going to always bring it to you, huh, with our first string. One-on-one, three or three, or you can bring your whole team. Get ready for the pain in your aching feet. I don't know what the fuck that's about. <laughs> and the sound of the crowd when you earn defeat. <laughs> Instead of like, I don't know why not like when they're on their feet. That would, I guess you're rhyming defeat. Wait, with when you feet. earn defeat, like when you, when you just, you've really earned the right to lose the game. Yes. The sound of the crowd when you earn, when you earn that right. Um, when you earn and defeat. And your, wow. and your okay. feet are aching at that point from playing basketball. Well, no, well, then then it goes into the past tense. Well, nobody had your back. Not even the guys on your team. The cheerleaders got to be screaming, but they're screaming for me. Because <laughs> I'm the one coming Who's, down. Wait, wait, yeah. yeah. Who, 
who is me then? I don't know. <laughs> it's, and it's also it's also notable that throughout this entire tournament and all these games, there are cheerleaders, but not for their school. Yes. The cheerleaders are for the Warriors school. I don't know why that is, but yes. Um, also, I just thought about this. Is it? Do, are there any uh, girls in the school, or is it a boys' school? Uh, I think it's just a boys' school. Yeah, because we never see we never see any girls except for the girl he's friends with, and then also I'm pretty sure there was like a girl named like Rebecca Feldman or, or Re- Rebecca Goldberg or something. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Who who is alluded yeah. to as like what the one kid the one kid is like has a crush on this uh, this nice Jewish girl uh, yeah. and. To like get into a better place instead of getting technical fouls, he thinks about Rebecca Goldberg or whatever her name is, uh, and then she mm-hmm. shows up at one of the games, and he's very happy about that. Uh, I'm going to continue on with the, the lyrics of songs. We're not even halfway through. Uh, please do because I'm because I'm the one coming down with the full court miracle, and the ones name, name of the movie, yeah, <laughs> and the ones with the game. Uh, wait. And the one with the game, because then you're blessed. I don't even know what that means, but that is the lyric. I, I played it back a few times because that's what it said. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And I listened to it and it's like, yeah, that's exactly what he's saying. And I don't know what that means. Uh, you don't hear me, though. I don't know what the fuck that is. Uh, remember one thing <laughs> that we all know is true. And this is like th- these last two, these two lines before it gets back to the chorus are amazing. Remember one thing that we all know is true. Miracles can do and will come happen for you. Like come it, happen, <laughs> come happen for you. Uh I, they didn't even need that. Like, it, it didn't need more syllables to make that work. Um, no. But also, like, do we all know that's true? Like, is that the one thing that we all know is true? That miracles can do and will come happen for you? Uh, then it gives, like, a little R. Kelly, woo! And then and then this is my favorite bit, this last part before it fades out. Dreidel, dreidel. And it's, like, that same, like, dreidel. Dreidel, yeah. dreidel, I made it out of clay. I made it out of clay. Dreidel, dreidel, a dreidel, I'm a play. A dreidel, I'm a play. Dreidel, dreidel, yes, I surely did. Oh, yes, I surely did. I don't know what that is. Dreidel, dreidel, it drops and then I win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. That, I guarantee you, that's the lyrics of that song were written by at least 15 different people. Yes. <laughs> that's why it's so disjointed. Um, but yeah, that's how the game starts. Yeah, so yeah. I was expecting I was expecting a blowout at this point. Um, do you imagine? Do you imagine playing a team and they come out and choreograph a dance to this, to this rap? It's the exact opposite rap. of the. It's the exact opposite of a team from New Zealand doing the haka before a game. <laughs> <laughs> it's the exact polar opposite of that. Um. Okay, so this so this starts off like the whole climax of the movie. Um, oh, and another thing. So they, this comes up in this scene, but throughout the movie. Uh, so there's that bit where Lamont calls them dogs or refers to them as dogs. And they're like, hey, don't call us animals. Um, and ever right. since then, they kind of. But do if you like, remember, yeah. dog is basketball talk for cool. Yeah. So dog is basketball talk for cool. So now, even though they're the lions, they constantly before games are like, who are we? We're the dogs. Woof, woof, woof. And I'm like, what? Like, why yeah. are they doing this? So they so Alex gets them to all bark like dogs. Uh, this whole like bark like a dog, hungry dogs eat all that. Um, it flashes again between the the actual game and the battle between the Maccabees in Israel and the Romans, because mm-hmm. uh, now they're playing Tyler's team again. By the uh, way, this is all happening in a pretty, uh, pr- pretty wild uh, uh, 
hurricane or uh, thunderstorm. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, so there's a so there's a bad storm going on. Um, the thunderstorm with with the the lions getting their asses kicked. They're down 18 with 15 minutes left in the game. A thunderstorm knocks mm-hmm. out the power, but yeah. fortunately they have a backup generator that for some reason right, literally runs on oil. Yes, and there's and oil. how much oil do they? Oh. They don't have enough oil, Max. They don't have, they enough, don't oil. have enough oil. What are they going to do? They're going to need a miracle. So uh, they need a miracle to have the oil burn for longer than initially anticipated, <laughs> just like the Maccabees. <laughs> so do you get it now? Do you get it? I get it's it. It's like Hanukkah. So so Hanukkah for the Gentiles uh, listening to this podcast uh, is based on the the miracle uh, in which a uh, at the temple. Uh, the the I don't know enough about this. Basically, they're at the temple. They they only have a day's worth of oil uh, to to burn the aforementioned the Judah Maccabee to Judah Maccabee to to burn at at mm-hmm. the menorah. It needs to be eight days. Um, and there's something about like it's a whole weird thing. It's like they just want to battle, so uh, technically you're like impure if you battle, I guess, or you're like in some sort of armed conflict so you're impure for a week uh you have to like wait a week so that they can and the oil can only be like holy ordained oil and you can only make that kind of oil if you're pure and none of the people were pure because they just done bad it's like a whole stupid thing but basically all you need to know is it was going to be another week before they could make more oil and then making the oil takes a day so they only had a day's worth of oil they needed it to last for eight until they could make more oil and miraculously the oil lasted eight days uh so now we have this this um this playing out through the game so there's 18 minutes or there's 15 minutes left they're down 18 uh Mm -hmm. they estimate there's probably five minutes left or like 10 minutes left well well, Max, you're forgetting a couple of key factors here. Yeah. Uh, one, the emergency generator is just outside the arena. Two, they turn it on and stuff. Uh, the children turn it on. No adults are, are working. The, they, the children are pressing the buttons. They leave their former coach out there, who this is when he famously yells his very, very famous line, I teach algebra. Uh, he's out there running the, the, um, the generator. They agree... Uh, the rabbi is also somehow in charge of this tournament, it seems like. Yeah. They agree that they're going to turn the generator on, and they will play until the power on the generator runs out. No matter who is in the lead when that happens, no matter how long it takes, that is when the game is over. That's what they decide. Uh, and then after doing that, and they go back, and they're down, I think they were down 18 at this point. Um. The algebra teacher's out there, and he pulls out, he does some math, and figures out exactly how much time they have left. But they start to do a little bit of a comeback. So, so they're down, they're down ten at this point with two minutes and forty, or I'm sorry, with five minutes left. Uh, the algebra yeah. teacher runs in, and in this very long-winded way that's very frustrating, he's like, "Team, team, I've got the answer. I've got the answer. Now come and look and check over my work." And then he like explains in way too much detail. That they yeah. only have two minutes and forty five seconds left before the fuel runs out. Uh, yeah. At this point, the Warriors call a timeout to milk the generator fuel and like try right. to run out the clock. Uh, at which point, I wrote down, uh, 
You can't just take a timeout for however long you want. <laughs> Until the generator's power runs out is how long this They time took a timeout made. and literally they, they took a timeout for two, like almost three full minutes. That's how timeouts work. Yeah. Uh, so they do that. Uh, at this point, the, the power is like basically going out. And then Lamont walks in uh, just as the power is about to die. And, his lip, and it gets lit back up. And he's like emanating light at this point. So I guess we're to, yeah. supposed to believe like maybe he is the real Judah Maccabee. Um, mm-hmm. The lights do go out, but then they come back on immediately. It's a miracle. Uh, the game goes on. They trim it to one point with 25 seconds left. Alex passes up the final shot, uh, gives it to another kid who hits a hook shot to win just as the lights go out. Uh, yeah. The Lions win. The mom is proud of her son. Uh, Lamont is Judah Maccabee, I guess. Uh, he decides in that moment he's going to give up on the Sixers in the NBA and coach full-time at the Philadelphia Hebrew Academy. And that's basically also, where, qu- we, where we end. Quick, quick, two quick notes about the end of the game. One, uh, the clock runs out as the power goes out, so it just went full regulation time anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it ended up also, not mattering. The whole thing didn't matter. No. It was stupid. When the game, when the game ends, the scoreboard explodes. Yeah, I like noticed there that. Are, there are just sparks. It explodes like like in the natural. It's incredibly it dangerous explodes. that they kept playing this game. Also, the idea that like, no, yeah. we're just gonna keep playing this sport on on hardwood until the lights just randomly go out at some point, and then that'll be the point where yes. it's over. Um, yep. so that was sketch. Uh, altogether, basically, the movie ends at this point. Lamont's children, or Lamont's kid, and his and his wife move up. Uh, now he's the full-time coach at the Hebrew Academy, and everyone lives happy, happily ever after, even though he's given up on his dream of the NBA just at the moment he finally got his 10-day contract. Uh, so I don't really know what the moral of that story was. It's definitely no luck of the Irish, uh, a much yeah. better Disney basketball movie, but this is the one we had to do because that's a Celtics movie, and this is a, I guess, Sixers movie in a way. Yeah, I would like to if it would take some time right now, if you don't mind, to read some excerpts from some some academic writing about about the film. Sure. Uh, on November nineteenth, two thousand three, Laura Fries in Variety um, wrote in a review. It's a refreshing change of pace to have the story of Hanukkah recounted by someone other than Adam Sandler. With Disney Channel's schmaltzy full-court miracle, may leave viewers pining for the comedian's off-key singing and off-color antics. Uh, much later in the review. Um, says, ultimately, however, it's the heavy-handed analogy of the miracle of Hanukkah translated into a school generator that supposedly only has a few minutes of fuel left during the big tournament game that sends the movie over the top. Uh, in fact, the most moving moments of the picture aren't the ones intended. At one point, Alex bemoans that he and his friends are a bunch of uncoordinated Jews. I don't feel great saying that. Uh, and Lamont is quick to respond, don't put yourself in the box. Through his intense reaction, viewers get a sense that he's speaking from experience. But these personal and semi-realistic moments are overshadowed by ridiculous scenes. Don't like give, that of don't give him credit for like the writer credit for that. There is not that level yeah. of depth. No. Uh, there's this one from <laughs> from again juice, juicy.com, J-A-W-C-Y. Uh, from this is a, a, a look back from December twelfth of twenty seventeen. Um, that uh, unfortunately uh, confuses the the source of of the uh, original story. Um, but 
Uh, it says, in Full Court Miracle, there are menorahs on every surface, so you know these characters are really Jewish. The sports f- fanatic rabbi has a running joke asking, is there something on your mind besides a yarmulke? Which I don't remember him actually saying that. Um, but it says, yeah, there's a moment of tension when he asks for a glass of milk with his chopped liver, even though, of course, he just ate chopped liver with his gefilte fish. It's a dreidel-wrapped remix. Again, yes. Um, it does say, uh, on the other hand, it's unbelievable no one made this movie before. I don't think that's true. It's very... Very reasonable that this movie was never made before this. Um, it has a 44% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. It didn't have any actual like reviews that count for that. Um, but yeah, the one credited review is the one from Variety that I had found. Um, interesting notes about Lamont Carr. So unfortunately, he died in 2017 at the age of 64. Uh, I was reading a little bit from his, his obituary, and it was pretty interesting. Um, amazingly, mm-hmm. he was the first black player to ever graduate from Virginia, and this was like in the late yeah. '70s, which is nuts. Nineteen seventy-six. Yeah, like that's crazy. So, um, after graduating, he worked as a campus police officer, then went to law school. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Then he moved to Los Angeles, where he became fascinated with the sport of competitive darts. It says yes. Um, mm-hmm. Joel Silverman, who wrote this movie, uh, was quoted in the obituary as saying, whatever he was interested in, he could school himself and become an expert. He was convinced darts was, was the next big sport in America. Um, okay. Uh, he uh, he actually was profiled in Sports Illustrated in 1993 for his darts playing, uh, not mm-hmm. for what this movie was based on, um, which seemingly was like, not, I couldn't find like really much on it at all, uh, beyond this, uh, stuff about this movie. Um, he became a wine connoisseur. Um, and Silverman said he was kind of a Renaissance guy. He could even dominate a wine tasting, which I thought was an interesting, uh, visual dominating the wine tasting. Just boxing people out. Yeah. It's an interesting guy. This, this Lamont Carr. Yeah, actually, I have the same thing up here, if you don't mind me continuing yeah, go on ahead. here. Uh, he attended Hall of Fame coach Pete Newell's big man camp to learn footwork drills to bring back to the kids at the Hebrew school where he taught uh, in Boca Raton. Uh, Wait, it wasn't in Philadelphia? Tom- no, not even close. Oh, my God. Uh, he, bef- he befriended Tom Amberry, who once held the world record for making 2,750 consecutive foul shots. Uh, a friend from law school, Paul Griffiths, said... He passed on a high level of fundamental techniques to kids. He was a Pied Piper because the kids paid attention. Carr's time coaching a championship-winning basketball team at a Jewish school was the inspiration for the movie. Blah, 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 blah. I want the movie about his actual life. That sounds incredible. Give me that movie, not this movie. Give me a Truly Lamont Carr just... darts movie. Yeah. Have you ever watched darts on television? It's kind of cool. It's it's so it's awesome. He he was you on he was on to something about competitive darts being the next big thing. It just doesn't happen yet. When you watch if you watch compet like the darts championships, the one guy whose name I don't know, who he who calls himself like the, like the snake or something and he has like a green mohawk and then he'll like spray paint a dartboard into the side of his hair. Uh you watch people like there's like hundreds of people at this place all getting drunk and going nuts whenever anything cool happens. It's awesome. It's a those are the World Darts Championships I think last year in England. There's looks like a great time all right jim do we have anything else to say about this movie uh no 
Yeah, I got I got no, I nothing so. else I can say about this thing. Um, no, yeah, um, pretty pretty disappointing, I must say. I mean, it was yeah. it was fun to watch. It was fun to 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 watch with a, a keen eye for uh, weird stuff for the podcast. I'll but, say this, but not um, not for, MVP was much more enjoyable to watch. I think. Yeah. Um, I I made this point to somebody a couple of days ago about realism in in sports movies from actors and right stuff like that. So I just finished. Uh, I watched through all of Friday Night Lights, and this isn't a spoiler, but at one point in the show, they're recruiting a guy off of the basketball team to play football, and they show him at a, a park shooting basketball, and he's making all the shots, but he shoots like me, which is just unrealistic because all of his shots would get blocked, so I, it was very un- – I wouldn't believe it. It wasn't a believable thing. The basketball in this movie looked like eighth-grade basketball. Yeah, it looked fine. It was believable. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you that. Um. Although I also I question the strategy of the opposing coach for the Warriors. I didn't see a shot clock anywhere, and they could have just you know held that ball. Yeah, you have an eight point eighteen <clears throat> point lead. Just hold the ball. You know, I watched. I went to my my younger cousin. She plays college ball now, but I went to her high school game last year, and at least the Catholic league uh, girls high school basketball doesn't have a shot clock, and oh boy, is it impossible to enjoy <laughs> as a as a person in the stands. Because it's just playing the possession game, and that sucks. But they could have done that. They could have won the game pretty easily if they did that. But yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got, too. All right, well, um, I figure you'll know if I'm right about this or not, but this will probably be the second one we put up. I, so th- I think it will, will be, be up. yeah. Yeah. So the next time you hear our voices on this podcast, then we'll be actually back. Mac will be back from his honeymoon in Japan. I'll be back from... Just eating my way through the end of the year. Uh, and we'll talk to you about actual Sixers basketball not taking place uh, at the Philadelphia Hebrew Academy. So thanks for listening. Please let us know what you thought of Full Court Miracle. Um, if anybody wants to learn the choreographed dance to the dreidel rap, what was the song called again, Max? Uh, spin you like a dreidel. Spin you like a dreidel. But anyone wants to learn that dance, and I don't know, Post a video of it online. I think that'd be funny. That'd be a funny thing. But yeah, so watch the movie. Let us know what you think. And we'll talk to you soon. See ya.